Hi, welcome to episode eight of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Brian. And I'm James. And we have a special guest, uh, Cameron Glendow. Hello. So, uh, as usual, uh, we're going to first hit you with where you can find us. Uh, some people were surprised to find out that we're on Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere now. We're everywhere. So Spotify, Google Play, the uh, Apple IT, the Apple Podcast app. Mm-hmm. Uh, Podbean. Podbean. Yep. Uh, SoundCloud. You can find us just about anywhere you would listen to want to listen to a podcast. Yep. And if there's some obscure app you're using that that I don't know about, let me know, and I'm sure I can like work by magic. Yeah, we did have like one random person ask to listen to us on YouTube, so maybe at some point we should do that. But. Yeah. What about Stitcher? Oh, Stitcher! I yeah, haven't put us on Stitcher. Stitcher. Okay, well there we go. I gotta, it's a good like, thing you're here. Oh uh, yeah. Good know. Yeah. Outside experts, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, again, tweet us at uh, Casual Tryhard MTG. Or no, what is it? Casual Tripod. Casual Tripod. Uh, we're on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. And you can email us at casualtryhardmtg at gmail.com. I, I try to be somewhat active on the on the Twitter. Uh, put out the occasional sweet piece of content. Uh, the breakdown for kind of last week's metagame on Arena got sent out. Nice pie chart. Uh, the archetypes colors on the pie chart per Cameron's request now more closely match the colors of the deck. So mono red is in fact a red wedge. That's good. So that was that was that was our that was our, that was our major piece of feedback last time. It's, why is it blue? Because <laughs> that's what Google Sheets gave me. Yeah. Uh, we also did have a couple people ask us to help uh, give data for our arena metagame breakdown. So if that's something you're interested in, please go ahead and do that. Um, so what I've done now is if I'm going to just use one link mm-hmm. in each week, just basically make a copy of that sheet for me to work off of, clear out the old sheet, and then make it the new week. So if you start putting stuff in in a sheet, it'll just like get blank again, and you can start working from it again. Mm-hmm. So uh, just save the link and you can reuse mm-hmm. it. And I, I, I also sent out this the same link again. Yep. So... That should work going forward, so you don't have to like have multiple links or find it each time. It should just be able to go in and, and use it each week. Great. So try to make it a little bit easier. For our uh, metagame hot takes, uh, nothing really happened since the Pro Tour. Yeah. Uh, like in terms of actual people playing Magic. Yeah, well, the arena season ended. Right? The arena, I guess the arena season did end, yeah. so... Uh, we'll talk about that at the end, though. Yeah, there were eight very happy people. Yeah, and a whole bunch And about 89,000 very angry people that just felt like it wasn't fair they weren't top well, eight. Well, number nine. Number no. nine's probably pretty happy, What right? did he get from LSV? Uh, I don't or know her. what it was, what did they but get they're from getting LSV? something from LSV. I'd be stoked. Like a crisp high five? Like, Maybe. <laughs> it's going to be. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay, so you don't know what, what the top... We're talking about what the top eight is. The top eight people got to go play in a tournament at PAX East where, like... Last place is like five grand. Uh, more than that, uh, seventy five hundred. Seventy five hundred yeah. for last yeah. place. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of half of the tournament just for showing up. You get seventy five hundred dollars. Yeah. So it's a hell of an incentive. Yeah, this top eight people on the arena ladder yep. got invited to this tournament, and then nine gets a crisp high five for about LSV yep. or something, <laughs> and number ten just gets to be salty on Twitter, yeah. which I do believe is what happened. Yeah, I'm sure. For like ten through like twenty, <laughs> which is people that were raging on Twitter for a few days. Yeah, yeah that's why we need Anthony's segment so he can tell us because he knows all the drama. Well, I mean, I heard Twitter was on fire. Yes, yes, it was. It was uh, interesting. So we're, we're moving our metagame hot takes for, for the week. Yep. Uh, this is the modern edition of yep. metagame hot takes. 
So, uh, what was we, the big news this week? Yeah, they uh, they released a spoiler announcement, whatever you want to call it, for a new set. Um, it's called Modern Horizons, and it's going to be something different than we're used to. Um, modern Horizons is specifically geared towards modern. Uh, there are going to be brand new cards that will be modern legal um, in this set. Um, those cards will not be legal in standard. So... What we're assuming is that the power level is going to be a little pushed on them. Um, they don't have to worry about breaking the standard metagame. They can release them right into modern, so they can be a little bit higher power level. Uh, the other cool thing about this set is they're going to have reprints in it that will also make the cards modern legal, but they aren't currently modern legal. Basically random legacy stuff. Yeah, well, not reserve list, though. Not reserve list stuff. The other thing that's interesting about those first two uh, two talking points is that both of those exclude current modern reprints from being in this set. Yeah, so they mm -hmm. specifically said that they're not going to print anything in this set that is currently modern legal. So it's right. all cards that are going to be new to modern, yep. other than the basic lands. Yep, like two, 249 cards? 249 cards are going to be brand new. All going to be brand Plus new. Plus a buy box promo that already... Yes, the buy box promo is a legacy. Legacy card. Is a new art. Right, but it's not going to be in the actual set, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah so, so I I saw something uh, a, a tweet from Mr. Tom Ross, yeah. uh, the boss. He's like, remember when uh um Play Design won the Modern Super League? That's because we were playing a ton of Modern building this set. Awesome. So, they they actually unlike what they normally do with Modern things that might impact modern, they actually tested it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As opposed to usually just like, open this card in standard and hope it doesn't break something. And if it does, we'll ban it. Yeah. We should uh, go back and see what list they registered for that. That might be some interesting data for figuring out what's in the set. Yeah. It, it, it could be. About a year ago, too, that they were doing that, so it gives you a little bit of an idea how far ahead um, yeah. Yeah. the play design team's working. Because, yeah, they, he said they, that's when they were playing a bunch of modern was specifically yeah. for that. Like, around that time for, for this set. Mm -hmm. So, I guess that this means that there's kind of going to be two things that you could maybe see happening. One is, like, archetypes that currently exist could get better. Mm -hmm. Like, those tier 2 decks, or, you know, tier 2.5. Yeah, they actually mentioned this on the uh, the announcement. I don't know if you guys actually I watched I watched video. it, yeah. Um, they mentioned in there that they, when they were building the card file, um, they did actually look at some of, like, the tier 2 lists and come up with cards that might make them a little bit more competitive. Yeah, I mean, you, th you think about what has happened to Death and Taxes and Legacy. Mm -hmm. Like, they've printed some stuff in Conspiracy, the mm -hmm. various Conspiracy products, yep. especially Conspiracy 2, that was, yeah. like, specifically, like, we're going to print Palace Jailer, mm -hmm. Sanctum Prelate, mm -hmm. and Recruiter of the Guard. Mm -hmm. Like, these were just, like, these go into death and taxes. Yeah, they also got a containment priest too, right? That was from Commander. Command right? Commander Commanders was like Commander yeah. from two or three years ago. Yeah, I think it was three years ago. Three years. But they but that deck went from being not very good to being a a very good legacy deck. Yeah, it was also um, a pretty cheap deck to get into. Yeah. so it was kind of good for uh, yeah. for them to do that. Gives somebody a, a stepping point into legacy. Yeah, like you didn't need uh, dual lands. You didn't yeah. need. A fifteen hundred dollar mana base to play it. Right. So it could also like there might just be new decks that pop up. Yeah, very possibly. I mean, we have no idea what's going to be in the set, so there could very possibly be brand new decks that nobody's even thought about before. 
be interesting. It'll be it'll be weird that modern gets shook up like this. Yeah. Like with with like they just like throwing a product directly at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most of the time when modern gets shaken up is because there's one super powered standard card that gets in there and yeah. then it either gets banned or mm-hmm. gets yeah. adapted into the ground. Yep. Yeah, like Arc Light Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I don't Fatal I think, push. Yeah. Treasure Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. Was a while ago, but, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah where Immediately it, banned. It <laughs> broke everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's back when I was like, didn't want to spend money on magic, and I was like, I'm gonna buy these steam vents so I can put treasure cruise in my burn deck, <laughs> and they banned treasure cruise. <laughs> Damn it! This product comes out June 14th. Yep. Unlike the like modern masters and these other kind of supplemental products, they're actually doing a pre-release. They are. Um, they did say that it's not going to be sealed though; it's going to be draft. Yeah. So the weekend before, you can draft. So that that's a change. Mm-hmm. That's that's something interesting. Didn't they do a pre-release for a conspiracy? Did they like, may have way, way way back like conspiracy one? I don't know. Oh, they, they did do one for Battle Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this this is kind of like a set like, in the same role. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't do it for like the master sets, yeah. like the, the oddball sets. They yeah. sometimes do it. Yeah. Um, they also said that this is not going to be a uh, limited print run. It's going to be print to demand. Mm-hmm. So if they run out of product, they will absolutely print more. Which is good for prices. Yeah. Really yeah. for prices. As is policy now, uh, I think due to the Ultimate Masters debacle, uh, there is no MSRP. Yep. The only kind of uh, price guidance that we have is they're going to say it's $7 a pack on Magic Online. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that puts like the real packs at closer to $10. Like I was trying to find... The frustrating part about trying to use that as like the guidance for what it's going to cost in paper is seven dollars is what every master set is cost online? Okay. That's what masters and all the modern master sets. Okay. See, I didn't know that. Like, I was trying to find that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't think that at ten dollars a pack, it would have to be a limited print run, though. I don't think mm-hmm. they can do a print to demand set at ten dollars a pack. I, I would agree. But I'm. So you think it needs to possibly it would be lower? Naive, I do think it would be lower. I'm yeah. hoping it's going to be like six dollars a pack. Yeah. Like not, okay. not quite standard, but like. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was thinking more just. I figured with. Ultimate Masters, they tried to make it what fifteen dollars a pack or thirteen. Thirteen ninety nine. And everyone revolted and like it sold at ten. Yeah, but this is different though, because this is like everybody is going to need these cards. It's not like when a uh, normal masters set where, you know, some people already have the cards and they're just looking to put more into the pool. Mm-hmm. If you're a modern player, at least some of these cards you are going to have to have. So if they do a limited print run with a high high dollar per pack. Um, you're going to exclude people from the format. I think that they absolutely just need to get these cards out there, and I don't think okay. $10 a pack is going to do it. And that probably also informs why they're doing a print-to-demand, yeah. because if they like broke one card wide open right. and there were, call it, 10,000 of them that exist, right. that's a huge problem for the Yeah, the yeah then, then, you have, yeah. then you have $120 exactly. or it, more rare. In yeah. the set you just printed. Yeah, and then people are angry because yeah. now they can't play. And you know they're not going to get another reprint for at least two years. Right? Yeah, because there's, so yeah, there's not like another product you can put it in. So it's a little bit, little bit of CYA on Wizards' part, I think. Yeah. But it's yeah. definitely working out. So they are doing the slow walk on this. They showed us two cards, and they're like, we'll start doing previews at the end of May. Yeah, that's a long time from now. That is now. a long time from now. Like... I understand that they got to keep us hyped for War of the Spark or whatever, yeah. but like, wow. Like, yeah. okay, here, here are two <laughs> cards. I was like, oh, we're going to start seeing no. We're got two yeah. months to wait. 
So that being said, I am appreciative that they are at least saying something about it. Yeah. yeah. That's been the big problem we've had the past couple of months is they're just not saying anything. Right. And people are kind of assuming that Arena is the death of modern. Yeah, I know I'm probably in the minority here, but I wish they would just put modern on Arena. Oh yeah, no, it would I'm be sorry. it would be great. Like well, I mean there's a lot of people that don't though. There's a lot of people that don't want Moto to die and I mean, a lot of people that think, you know, if if Modern was on Arena, that would lead to the death. Yeah, I think it's hard. Like, I think the way that, they, that they're doing the rules engine in Arena might make it hard. Maybe. Because, like, it's supposedly, like, it's supposed to kind of, like, learn how the words work as opposed to, like, oh. like Magic Online where they have to go in and program how okay. each individual card works. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's supposed to be more of, like, a... You put in this this keyword, and then it just knows how that keyword works. Like it, huh. like you put in how the keyword works, as yeah. opposed to uh, Magic Online, they each have to each individual card is programmed, which is why like hmm. random cards bug out. Yeah, because there's something wrong. With there's that something wrong with that. Card. Like there's a comma in the wrong place in that line of code. So yeah. then you, know, you are Wall of Roots was notorious for it. Hmm. Like some of the was like the the new it was a battle bond card it was like a blue like two and a blue like you play it and you get to go search your deck for a spell there's a creature that would search spell your seeker spell seeker yeah. like it would just have like a red box around it like in all the and all the 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 cube drafts because it just didn't work it was just like a three mana like O2 that <laughs> had no broken. text. It was just broken. It's like, well, you know it's broken. Go fix it. And there's and I just couldn't fix it. So it might be hard to like get all those rules interactions yeah. right. But I mean, we're still in beta. Yeah. Like there's still yeah. stuff that doesn't like hydroid crises that just are zero zeros that float <laughs> on the battlefield and don't do anything. Have you uh I ran into this, I haven't lately, but I killed I killed my opponent's creature in response to it adapting. Oh, and it just adapted forever in the middle of the screen. <laughs> I've seen I've seen videos of that, and I've also after you cast a hydroid crisis, I think it still does it. Like subsequent triggers just have the hydroid crisis like snake animation oh, yeah. around it, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like mm, it's in beta, it's fine, it's fine. And if that's the stuff that's broken, that's awesome. like oh, yeah. I'm not complaining yeah. at all. Yeah, arena is fantastic. Yeah, that's way better than that's way yeah. better than like. Tried to kill my creature in response to it adapting, and it just adapts and lives right. like this. <laughs> At least it dies, yeah. right? Like Magic Online, we're filing for for compensation because yeah. the program mm -hmm. broke. Yeah, there's no way to do that because the program doesn't break that bad. So, you get back to what you're saying about Magic Online dying. Like mm -hmm. the thing is, it's going to die. Yeah, like we're seeing right now, where um, like nobody's playing standard on Moto right. because everybody's playing standard on Arena. Yeah, so Arclight Phoenix is a playable. Modern Legacy card, so that means it's like thirty or forty dollars. I thought it was fifty. That's fifty. It's tickets. fifty dollars on Moto. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. like, I mean, that's not sustainable. Right. Like, it, it is going to die. So it would almost be better if they they're not going to because it would be a colossal amount of work to yeah. put Modern and Legacy and all that stuff onto Arena. Yeah. But I mean, they're going to need some kind of solution because eventually. It's just not going to work. Well, another thing that I was thinking about, we're going like way off topic, yeah. but that's all right. We'll get back. We'll get yeah. back. <laughs> another thing that I was thinking about on the way over here actually was, you know, putting things on Arena. Mm -hmm. And we had talked a little bit earlier about uh, Tom Ross saying how they had done a whole bunch of testing in-house for this new Modern Horizon set. And I'm wondering like how much testing like they're still doing on like the paper sticker cards, you know, like that was the way they tested forever was printing the yeah. paper sticker cards and playing mm -hmm. the game. Don't you think it'd be way easier to fire up arena? Yeah. And, if they just have like a, a test 
yeah. dust bench kind of thing. Yeah. So I wonder like how many sets they've actually got in there, like that nobody knows about. Yeah, just random things that like are just there. Yeah. Well, knowing wizards, they will accidentally update Arena at some point and just upload <laughs> all of the test files. Woo! Similar to when they banned Splinter Twin, yeah. and it was just like banned a, on Moto like a day like, early, yeah, two three days early, and just like oh well. And a lot of and a lot of people there. that had uh, Splinter Twins on uh, Pugatrade, rest yeah. in peace. And whatever other sites just got sent a bunch of fifteen dollars <laughs> Twitter trade twins, and then two days later they were like two dollars. Yeah, but they've gotten better about that kind of stuff. Yeah, they but, have. You know, it's still. I mean, I think recent memories. I think yeah. the big problem with Magic Online going away is the way the economy was set up. Mm-hmm. So the economy, the way the economy is set up, does kind of lead to it dying because if people aren't drafting, yeah. there aren't any cards going right. into the yeah, card pool cards, yeah. or into anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. So now standard super expensive. Mm-hmm. Right, right, because the way you get cards mm-hmm. is most people is through drafting, right, or opening packs. Yeah, that you have to spend honest to god real money on. But there's no demand for the cards. Exactly. So, so you know, mm-hmm. so, so outside of like Ar- ArcLight Phoenix, and I think it's just ArcLight Phoenix. Like, it's okay. the only expensive standard card right now because nobody wants them. Like, if you close down Magic Online, mm-hmm. there are all these people that have tons of money in. Well, think about like the big bot vendors. Yeah, yeah, like uh, Cape Fear up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, MTO Traders. MTO Traders is, is, is the yeah. is the Cape Fear yeah. is what keeps the store Cape Fear uh, the Cape Fear Games. That's like where they make most of their money. Mm-hmm. Apparently, like I just saw the other day, uh, Goatbots mm-hmm. uh, is no longer sponsoring streamers. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, so like uh, Frank Lepore was like, I can't borrow cards anymore yeah. because I'm no longer sponsored by Goatbots. It just wasn't worth it for them. So Lord only knows how much they're like yeah. making. That they're like, yeah, this isn't worth it for us anymore. Okay, off our little Magic Online, Magic Arena side thing. They yeah. did going back to Modern Horizons. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna pull this back together <laughs> back here. Back on the show notes. Back on the show notes. Back on the outline <laughs> is um. So they did preview two cards mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to remember them from from memory. I did go bring them up, and so the first was. I was, when they announced it, I was like, ooh, 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 and then they finished the name, and I was sad, uh, is <laughs> Cabal Therapist, yep. which is a play on Cabal Therapy. Yep. So this is uh, a black for a 1-1 creature with menace, mm-hmm. and then at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, really narrow, uh, you may sacrifice a creature. When you do, choose a non-land card name, then target player reveals their hand and discards all cards with that name. It's Cabal Therapy. It's Cabal Therapy. That you can bolt. You can bolt. That you can. The first time you can cast it is on turn two. Uh, you cast it on turn one. First time you no, can, you can a, therapy May. Is what do you mean? It's a May. You can cast it on turn one and not do it turn two. No, but what I was saying is the earliest you can Cabal Therapy someone oh, yeah, is turn two. Yeah. Well, right, but they're. I mean, they're not actually going to put Cabal Therapy in modern. No. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I agree with you. I would play that deck, I mean, but... <laughs> so, I think that in the earliest you can Cabal Therapist and, like, not sack Cabal Therapist to do it is turn three. Yes. Probably. Unless you, like, slam a Memnite, and then, like, you did it, you broke it. Well, no, I mean, this isn't... Uh, like, I think the card being a 1-1 one, one for 1 with Menace is deceiving. Because a 1-1 one, one for 1 with Menace, like, those are typically cards that you want to play on turn 1. I don't think this is a card you want to play on turn 1. I think this is a card you want to play like on turn three or four, like after the game's kind of got rolling mm-hmm. a little bit and you have a little bit of a board state as your like double spell turn. Um, like the mid rangey decks in modern 
need the double spell turn in order to kind of swing the game in their favor. And I think this is part of that plan. But so if you, you play Cabal Therapist on turn three, mm-hmm. right? And then you get to have them discard a spell on turn four, right? Like, what are you hitting? Well, you probably already know what you're playing around, though. Because, like, I mean, this deck is still going to play Thought Season and No, but my, my point is, is, like, how, like, there aren't a ton of modern decks that are going to have a bunch of cards in their hand on turn four. Yeah, but, I, I mean, you don't need to hit a bunch of cards, though. It, like, this isn't going to be like it is in Legacy, where you're going to name, you know, Ponder and hope you get hit two of them in their opener. Mm-hmm. This is going to take the last card that you're trying to play around out of their hand. It's it's going to be decent against decks like Storm, yeah. so where they're trying to build up a critical mass of stuff, and you have a general idea of what's going on. Because mm-hmm. you know they just gifts for like this stuff, and yeah, the gifts things have different names, whatever. But you know you have an idea of what's in their hand and what matters in the game. Yeah. Um, but in like the decks, like it's gonna be terrible against Affinity. Or well, yeah, like, I, I mean know. any of those decks that like vomit their hand on the first mm-hmm. turn. Yeah, it's not going to be great against Burn. It's not going to be great mm-hmm. against Affinity. It's not going to be great against like the super the hyper aggro decks. I'm not even sure it's amazing against, like, those super controlling decks, either. Because, like, all right, so you're playing against Jeskai, and you therapy him on turn four. Like, what what you going to take? Yeah. I guess you, na- right. I guess you name Cryptic, cryptic guess. but then you killed a creature in hopes of naming Cryptic. Yeah. Right, so... I guess you try to hit, like, Jace or Terry or something. Yeah, like... like well, so, no, no, I mean, this isn't... This is going to be in a deck that has expendable creatures, though. I mean, you're not going to mm-hmm. sacrifice a Tarmogoyf to this. You're going to sacrifice... Uh, young pyromancer elemental token. Mm-hmm. You're gonna sacrifice a lingering souls token. I, I like the thought of putting it with bitter blossom. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, and just uh, absolutely every, every main phase. It's just yeah. I, I've seen your hand last turn. We're gonna take something. Yep, and just I'm paying one life to uh, basically thought season every mm-hmm. turn for free. One life. I think initially there was a lot of like, oh man, this is great, and I think the fact that it says like the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, mm-hmm. if, like, you could play it turn one and sacrifice it turn one, it was, like, at the beginning of combat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is what I initially thought it was. I was like, oh, great. Like, you can just, like, you have, like, a one-shot Cabal therapy. It doesn't have the flashback, but you have the one-shot Cabal. Like, that is really good. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can't even do something where, like, you thought sees them turn one and kind of see what they're working with and then mm-hmm. turn two, get the Cabal therapy them because you're, like, off... Because you can't sack it the right. turn you play it, unless like we give him flash, but that seems like too much work. Yeah, that's I didn't know how you would do that. I just think it's super weird that it's they're doing it like the sagas, where it's pre combat main phase or main phase one rather than like upkeep. Like, why isn't that just like an upkeep trigger? Um, you know, if you upkeep, do all that. So if we go back to like arena, uh-huh. how many upkeep triggers are there currently in standard? Right, like they're trying yeah. to almost eliminate the upkeep step. Right, it, okay. it's still there, mm-hmm. and like you can put a stop and do stuff in it, but mm-hmm. like everything happens in main phases. Like they're getting rid yeah. of upkeep as like a big part of the game. Because like, right, I think if you're like a new player, right, yeah, you want to like untap, draw, draw your card, mm-hmm. and then you miss your upkeep trigger, and oh, now something bad happened. As opposed to like untap, draw. Okay, now I have to worry about stuff happening. Well, it also, like, gives you a nice window to remember, which I think might be exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Because, like, they, and we ran into this, uh, like, last week. What Was it last week you and uh, Bowman were talking about the new 
like hidden information, change your land or oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, the the new take back rules. Yeah, like doesn't yeah. does isn't this what we're talking about? Kind of roll into the same thing because if you if you accidentally draw your card, it can change what you're gonna name. Yeah, so then you can't go back. Yeah, sure. Yeah, or if you draw your card now, you know information you didn't know, and you can't go put that trigger back but, on the stack. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, right. So not even what you're gonna name. Mm-hmm. Like you just now you have more information, and putting that trigger on the stack mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Is bad, so it might be kind of a rules with that new take back rule and like yeah. eliminating mm-hmm. kind of like the use of upkeep in. Well, also not letting you just play them and then. Yeah, them. like yeah. play them and sack them. Yeah, uh, fair enough. There's our there's our sweet takes on Cabal Therapist, yep. and now we have Sarah the Benevolent. So it's also some pretty sweet art on Cabal Therapist too. It right? is. It is. It is very good. Yeah. Uh, Sarah the Benevolent. Yep. Now apparently, Sarah is a. Uh, Long beloved magic character that I never realized that she was like Sarah Angel's mom what? and like she lived in Sarah, Sarah Sanctum. Sanctum. Yeah, I, I never knew. I thought Sarah Angel was Sarah. I thought that like Sarah oh, was man. the Sarah Angel and like that's no. There's, there's apparently there's apparently this whole world of lore. Like my yeah. lore is just beat you. Like that's all I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> those are the stories I want to tell. Um, I'm very much not a Porthos. Yeah. So Sarah the Benevolent is a planeswalker for two white white. Has four loyalty to start. Her plus two is creatures you control with flying get plus one, plus one until end of turn. So favorable wins. Favorable wins. Minus three, create a four four white angel token with flying and vigilance. So make a Sarah angel. Make a Sarah angel. And then minus six, so you can ultimate her the turn after she comes into play. Right. Uh, you get an emblem with uh, if you control a creature, damage that would reduce your life total. Uh, what is it? Reduce, to less than one. To less than one, reduces it to one instead. So basically you get an it, emblem worship. Yeah, it is worship that you cannot ever remove. Right. So uh, my, my hot take is this is wildly unplayable. Uh, I also said this was wildly unplayable. Unless you're playing with four people in a hundred card deck. Right. Like this is not going to be played <laughs> anywhere but there. Shade. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's fine. It's not nothing amazing, but the fact that you know, your worship is going into the command zone technically, but like it... It is an emblem. It is yeah. not interactable. Interact. Yeah. You cannot interact with it. Um, I think that carries real weight. Um, like if you stuck this in just in the decks that would play worship in general, like the same mana cost, short of like an extra white, you know, two white, white versus three and a white. Those decks are already geared to not let their creatures die. So if you then remove the out of like disenchanting the worship, it sets up a lot of situations where they just can't actually lose the game. Fair. Like I mean, what if you stuck that card in your old black white uh, token stack? Oh, your tokens still die to anger of the gods and your supers. <laughs> oh, it makes better blossom better though, right? It does make better blossom yeah. better. And like, like the, the plus is relevant too because all your stuff lies. Yeah, no, I think that the only like that's true. I hadn't thought about that. It does mm. have it does have maybe have a home in tokens. The the thing there is like the four mana planeswalker slot is yeah. a little full. Like Soren Solemn Visitor. It, not Solemn Visitor. Yeah, Solemn yeah, Visitor. Solemn Visitor. Yeah, this, this is, is just a better Soren, though, isn't it? I mean, you guys it, don't get lifelink, yeah. but... Yeah, so... And then you also play Gideon in that spot sometimes, where Gideon just Ally makes... Ally Yeah, you make Gideon, Ally Zendikar, same mana cost, mm-hmm. zero to get two twos, which, yeah. you know, isn't as good as a 4-4, four, four, but, like, you don't have to go down to loyalty, yeah. and then you mm-hmm. can just, like, give all your guys plus one, plus one forever, right. regardless of their ability to fly. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's a sideboard card. It's not going to be like a four of in the main, but I, I do think it's going to take the spot that worship used to. Yeah, used I to can. S- in the I can see that where it just becomes like worship. Mm-hmm. 
with a little bit more but, flexibility and just a little but I think I heard someone say I forget who it was that uh, right usually when you play worship mm-hmm. you're like oh man I'm gonna die I gotta stick this worship mm-hmm. like you don't want your worship on like a one turn delay yeah that, that's, that's true, true. That's right good. so like oh man I've got my hexproof nerd I really need to stick a worship because I'm gonna get dead and, and when like, you sus- suspend your worship here it can get attacked down yeah. or mm-hmm. you know, like if you don't down have yeah if you don't have like the board to protect it like mm-hmm. if you've got one creature and you're like well I can't chump with this because I need my worship but that being said if you have one like if you don't have a board to protect it then worship's probably not where you want to be yeah. yeah but like also like Soren Silent Villager right the plus one plus one goes till your next turn like through mm-hmm. your opponent's turn it's plus one plus oh, right? Yeah, it it's plus one plus yeah. oh in lifelink, but yeah. it's through the yeah. turn, like yeah. the whole until, turn until cycle. Your next turn. Yeah. Where this is, they get bigger on your turn, so it's really yeah. only good for like attacking. Mm-hmm. And it's only flyers. Yeah, it's yeah. only flyers. So if people aren't willing to tap out for Jace, that's a good point. Like, are we going to tap out for a Sarah Angel? I think they're two different decks. Like, they oh, are they're definitely two different, two different decks. Like, I just, I considerations. Just, yeah, but like, just like. The I think the bar for four mana is like super high at modern. I it is high. It is high. Right. Um, but if we're talking, make the Jace comparison. Like the decks that are going to be tapping out for Jace are also decks that have spun their wheels and done nothing until they played the Jace. Mm-hmm. Like they bolted yeah. a creature here. They played a search for Ascanta. They maybe like you know, remanded something. But like they they don't they're not doing stuff. Like a deck that um, is going to play this Sarah is going to be playing creatures and developing the board and pressuring the opponent. Like, they're going to be on the front foot. Yeah. Often than not. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, the dream is, like, Thoughtseize into Bitter Blossom and, and uh, Lingering Souls. Or a Ball Therapist into Bitter Blossom into Lingering Souls into Sarah. Ah, there we go. Right. We broke it. Well, that's kind of odd that both of these seem to fit in the same deck, huh? Yeah. They're like, man, Black White Tokens is really bad. <laughs> we probably... Somebody at Wizards really likes that deck because that was the, mo- the only modern event deck too, right? Yeah, it was, it was Black White Token. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, someone really wants that deck to be good. <laughs> and we got the uh, the protection guy reprint. The one that was like twenty dollars for a while. Oh, Oriac Champion. That one, yeah, yeah. that got reprinted recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that card that card is sweet and kind of bad. <laughs> so what we're saying is buy Spectral Processions right now. There we go. Buy special processions and lingering souls. There we go. Bitter blossoms probably. That's probably real spectral. Yeah, like spectral procession and and, uh, lingering souls. Like you're only going to see so much movement, but (laughs) bitter blossom. And bitter blossom just got reprinted. It did. It's still kind of expensive. It is still like forty bucks. I was thinking like twenty. Yeah, it's still too much. Yeah, it's still it's still too much. It's forty dollars. So we have a long time to wait, and as as we just kind of pointed out at the end. Something you can do now if you want to, like, you know, speculate on cards, yep. which is not always a bad thing, contrary to what people say, is, like, if there's, like, some cards, that, like, if there are some decks that you like mm-hmm. that are, like, tier two and you don't quite have all the pieces for them, maybe get the pieces now just in case, yeah. like, it is a deck that goes from tier two to tier one. Yeah. If there's a, a deck that you're like, well, it doesn't work without this card... I don't know if I want to play the deck, but I can get a couple of these just in case it gets way better. Yeah. Like, that is something to to consider. So, like, you know... Yeah. Leyline of Sanctity, Leyline of the Void are already kind of expensive, but definitely in that camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like, well, Leyline of the Void, aren't those, like, 40 bucks? Yeah, I don't know. They're already kind of expensive, uh, but... The Guild Pack ones, I think, are 55 right now. Boom! Yeah, yeah. got there. And especially yeah. with the Mulligan rule they announced, if they actually yeah. adopt that, those things are going to go through the yeah. 
Yes. Um, fetch lands also. Like if you're thinking about getting into modern and haven't bought your mana base yet, or thinking about switching decks, kind of what we alluded to earlier is there's not going to be any current modern legal reprints in this set. So if you're looking at buying into something, the time might be sooner rather than later. You might miss out. Yeah, because they're not going to print the fetches in standard. Yep. Not while we have shops. No. Right. And, you know, they're not going to... And they already reprinted the Zendikar fetches in yep. Modern Masters 3. Yep. And that didn't do a whole lot to their price. No, they're, it, some of them are even higher now than they were before the reprint. I'm looking at you, Scalding Tarns. Yeah, seven, like $70 a piece or something. A hundred? They're a hundred a piece? They are a hundred dollars a piece. They are ninety nine eighty nine. <sighs> Thanks, Phoenix Duck. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay, maybe don't spec on Scalding Tarn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the reason we have Cameron here is yeah. we're going to try out a new segment. So a couple weeks ago, we kind of broke down all the... Pillars uh, of Modern. Yeah, all the Pillars yeah. of Modern and kind of like uh, the various... Like kind of what all the various decks are in those mm-hmm. in those pillars. We're trying out modern methodology. Yeah. Which is we're gonna have people, us, uh, special guests, uh, come in and talk about a deck that they are kind of known for locally and are particularly good at. Yep. And kind of let you know kind of how how to play it and kind of what what it's about mm-hmm. more so than you know than like I don't know as much about Infect as Cameron does. Uh, I also don't know as much about Infect as Cameron does. So we got Cameron to do this. Yep. If you like this segment and you uh, want us to keep doing it, let yep. us know. Absolutely. Uh, if you have an idea of a, a deck that uh, you would want us to do, or if you feel you reached the bar of expert and would like to come in and talk about a deck, we can negotiate on this. <laughs> uh, All right. If you're like, I've played Burn for three weeks, I'm an expert, <laughs> like, slow your roll. Slow yeah. your roll. But if you are Mr. Patrick Sullivan, I believe you do have a standing invitation to come you do. on this podcast. Absolutely. Yep. You do. If you want to come talk yep. about Burn, yep. pick your format you want to talk about Burn in. We will we will accommodate this. Yeah. So for Cameron, we uh we picked out the red M&Ms for him. Yes. So what do we do for Mr. Sullivan when he comes? Paper his plane ticket. I mean, I mean, I think, I think Cameron's I can, paying for his plane ticket. <laughs> I mean, I think I could figure out Zencaster because, like, I don't think, <laughs> I think it might be cheaper. I could figure out Zencaster. I'll pay the eighty bucks for a Zencaster license. I was thinking we were getting him in the studio. Yeah, but I mean that'd be a better effect. We could get him in the studio. That's fine. Yeah. Figure out what cigarettes he smokes. Just buy him a carton of those. Call it good. Talk in fact with Cameron here. What what is in what is Infect doing? What is it trying to do? What is this deck? It is trying to win the game on an axis the opponent is not prepared to deal with. I.e., it is not interacting with the life total in a normal game. Um, it's going to put them to put your opponent to ten poison counters, which ends the game with you winning. We kind of glossed over. So, Infect. Why why is the deck called Infect? Let's let's go back to that because we talked about poison counters. How are we getting poison yep. counters? So poison counters actually existed before Infect. With the mechanic called Poison. Um, it was pretty terrible and just wasn't widely played. So they made it better by um, making a new mechanic called Infect in uh, New Phyrexia. Uh, basically what it does is uh, the creatures that have Infect deal their damage to other creatures as neg one neg one counters. Um, so whatever the power toughness is, they deal that much damage as neg one neg one counters. Or to players, it deals them damage as Poison counters instead of affecting their life total. So if you get hit with a 1-1, one, one, you get one counter. If you get hit with a 5-5, five, five, you take five counters. Gotcha. So so how long have you played Infect? Uh, picked it up in Eldrazi Winter, uh, which was 
a long time ago. Four years ago? Yeah, something like that. I think yeah. so. I think it's so, four years ago. So that was... Wait, three or four years, then. Battle for Zendikar Oath. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yes. Right. So that would have been spring of 15? That's not right. Spring of 16. Spring of 16? Yeah. Okay. So three years. Three years. Okay. Now, again, we're trying to show your bona fides here since you were able to define the infect <laughs> mechanic. How many copies of this modern deck do you own? Could could we put together how many copies of Infect? Two, two and a half, three if we've got four more nobles. Two and a half or three copies of Infect. In our show notes, <laughs> it is noted that this is not a normal thing for people to have multiple. Yeah. How many copies of Foil? Point eight. Point eight. Okay. Still need a couple fetches. And some breeding pools, right? And some breeding pools. Okay. So what are kind of the, the key cards and interactions that this deck is kind of, I guess, what do, I want to, what do we want to talk about first? I guess, how do you want to like set this up? I mean, it depends how deep we want to go on this, because as uh, you guys both know, I wrote a treatise about this and was told we need to cut it down. So We didn't, so. Like, we didn't say we had to cut it down. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to they, cut anything down. Our, our, <laughs> our show notes are usually a page, yeah. maybe the start of a second page. Cameron gave us... Three pages, single spaced on, <laughs> on, on infect. So he he was he's willing willing to go deep here. So he has a little section on deck basics. So let's go through the deck basics. Get everyone on okay. the same page here. So basically, it's a is a base green deck, uh, typically splashing blue. Plays like a an aggressive combo deck where you're going to play creatures in the early turns and then use pump spells, um, not giant growth specifically, but like that mm-hmm. to go ahead and get them big and get your opponent dead. So that's that's plan A is ten poison counters. Yep, plan A. Is there is there a plan B? Sadly, yeah. <laughs> plan B is twenty damage. Yeah. Um, which you know. That's uh, twice as much. It is twice as much. Yeah. That's uh, why the deck is good because you have to do half the work typically. That's right. Everything's got berserk. Exactly. Everything has double strike. If you know they play Malira and they can't get poison counters or for whatever other reason. The poison plan doesn't work, like, or they get sloppy with their life total. They go down to seven life because people don't think their life total matters against Infect. You know, then you can switch over to that plan and kill them with your Noble Hierarchs or your one Dryad Arbor. What is the worst card in the deck? Is it that one Dryad Arbor? It feels like the Dryad Arbor in many spots. <laughs> yeah. okay. But it's also essential to the game plan, so you, you can't you can't just cover. The flexibility is very important. To, to note, uh, your, your beatdown plan starts with a card, Noble Hierarch, Whose base power is, is zero. zero. <laughs> just lets you know she gets to attack with one power, but like on the card, she is an 0-1. Well, I mean that's relevant too. It lets you attack through a bridge. Yes. It does. It's a big thing. It does. Why Lantern is like a weirdly okay matchup. Yeah. Alright. So what are the what are the cards that have infect? How many how many infect how many of these infect cards do you have? Uh so you're gonna play in this deck usually a solid twelve. Sometimes you go up to like fourteen or fifteen. Um, but you're always going to have, um, in the blue-green version, it's always going to be Glistener Elf, Blinded Agent, and your four copies of Ichthon Nexus. So Glistener Elf is a 1-1 one, one for green that has Infect? Yes, it is a 1-1 one, one Elf that has Infect. And that's then, it. That's it. That is his text, <laughs> Infect. Yep. Uh, and then Blighted Agent, one of the blue for a 1-1 one, one unblockable with Infect? Exactly. Ink Moth Nexus is... Is a land that uh, comes in the battlefield untapped. It only taps for colorless, and it has an activated ability for one colorless to turn into a 1-1 ink moth creature. Turns into a 1-1 creature with flying and infect. It's an artifact creature. Right? It is an yeah. artifact creature. Yeah. Fulgans Command is yeah. a problem. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So those are the... 
So you kind of have this low number of creatures that have infect, mm -hmm. and then you've got to kind of protect them and then make them big. Yes. So it's basically boggles. Sure. Where, where <laughs> Except the, not at all. Where the, pant, where the pants don't stick. The pants just fall off. The pants don't stick, and yeah. you got to work for your expert. Yeah. But you only have to have as much damage. This is true. The, you mentioned Noble as like part of your plan B, so why is, is Noble Hierarch super important? Yes, it is basically your best card, just because it's going to provide extra mana. For those who don't know, Noble Hierarch is a 0-1 human druid or something. 0-1 something. mana dork. It taps for green, white, and blue. It also has Exalted, which means if you have a creature that is attacking alone, it gets an extra plus one, plus one. Which, in this deck, because we're only going to 10, it would be similar to it giving plus three, plus one right. to a regular creature. So, Assuming that creature already had a power. It's like if you're attacking with your Ornithopter, it would be a, yeah. a plus two, plus one. But anyways, yeah, so it, it does both of those. Um, and in fact, it's a deck that really leverages um, a mana advantage. Like Most of its cards do very efficient things. Um, so it operates on very few lands. Mm -hmm. um, it plays 20 lands, including the Dryad um, which doesn't normally hit the battlefield unless it's attacking. And also, four of those lands are infectors. Yes. Yeah, or colorless. So it only has like 16 colored sources. Mm -hmm. So it, it helps smooth out your mana and also lets you hit harder on your attacks. Mm -hmm. um, it is basically basically your best card. Mm -hmm. All right, so we've got our 12-ish our infect guys, our noble hierarch to get extra mana. So what are the, what are the pump spells that we are, are playing? So the ones you're always going to have... You're always going to have some number of Vines of Vastwood, which I guess is more of a protection spell than a pump spell. Well, it does but both, though. That's, it, I mean, it's important it does that both. it does both. Yeah, it is flexible. Yeah. So what, what does Vines do, again, for the uninitiated? Yep, it is a uh, instant for one green, and it has Kicker for an additional green. Um, and what it does it is if a creature you target cannot be the target of spells or abilities your opponent controls. So it's not hexproof, but it's close. Mm -hmm. um, and if you kick it, you pay the two green instead of just the one green, uh, it gets plus four, plus four to the creature's target. So basically it helps protect your creatures and also makes them big when you can spare two mana. Are, uh, are there any circumstances where that matters that it's not actual hexproof? I guess I never even realized that. Yes. Yes, it um, does. So what you can do is, um, it's all super corner casey stuff. Yeah. Like um, if you're playing against Affinity and they're going to like move all their counters onto one of their guys off of the, uh, oh. what's his name? Uh, Arcbound Ravager. Arcbound, yeah. You vines it in response and it can't be the target and that just fizzles. Oh. So then in that case, it's better than hexproof. Yes. Yes. Also, like in the mirror, if they go all mm -hmm. in on their guy, you can vines it, and then they can't put pump spells on it anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and like when Splinter Wind used to be a thing, you could vines their uh, the guy they were trying to twin, yeah. like, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those weird corner casey things that ends up being very important, but you know, very important. Not in what the two percent of the yeah. 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 yeah yeah yeah. That's it's weird. I mean, I've played against you playing Infect mm -hmm. numerous times, and I guess I never even realized that it wasn't just hexproof. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It is. Weird. It was, I guess, before they had hexproof as a keyword. I think now, if they yeah. made the card, it would just, it would just be, be hexproof. hexproof. Yes. But it's like an an old templating thing. Like we don't have, we have shroud, mm -hmm. and we don't want shroud. We don't want shroud. It's confusing. Yeah. We're gonna yeah. do this. All right. Okay. And so then, what are the other pump spells here? So, uh, might of old Crosa is the best pump spell. Weirdly, it's the one you cast as a sorcery almost always. But um, it is one green for an instant. Uh, it gives a creature plus two plus two. And if you cast it in your main phase, so not as a sorcery, but if you cast it in your main phase, it gives the creature plus four, plus four. So it has addendum. It's addendum. 
Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. Green card with a dumb. Yeah. It's going to be, now I have to like make a new uh, time spiral and I have to color shift it. <laughs> <laughs> make it blue light. And then you've got your, your mutagenic growth, mm-hmm. um, which is the other one that didn't actually used to see a lot of play um, in the older builds, but uh, in the past two or three years, or two or three years, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, since about the time I started playing it, um, it just become a four of. Um, so it's a Phyrexian green. Um, for an instance that it gives your creature plus two, plus two. So you can either pay one green mana, or instead just pay two life without paying mana at all. And it gives the creature plus two, plus two. Which is important um, in, like I was saying, where you're trying to leverage a mana advantage against your opponent. Right. So they're tapping lands and like you know paying mana to do stuff, and you're trying to do that as little as possible. And it also works nice with the infectors, because that two life you're paying is basically four life off of your opponent, right? Exactly. And also, you know, you're trying to end the game quickly enough that, like, the Phyrexian spells don't hurt you that badly. Yeah. Like, it's not free, but it's close. Yeah, like, if you're only trying to play three to five turns. Exactly. Yeah. Unless it, you're playing as actual burn, it usually doesn't come up. And it also, like, you have your mana available to then hold up some sort of protection spell. You can hold up a vine. Exactly. You can exactly. plus two, plus two, and then hold up a vine. Yeah. So, so you can grow your guy and also protect him with one of your Hexproof spells and keep him from getting bolted or whatever. Right, and then it says here we should play some ground swells. Usually, it's it's a worse Might of Volcrosa. Um, it uses landfall instead of casting it at, with a timing restriction. But um, otherwise, the text is the same. Just one green for an instant, plus two, plus two. Or if you put a land in the battlefield this turn, it's plus four, plus four. It's uh, a little bit less reliable, but it's also easier to do like inside of combat to, yeah. to, to get them. Uh, well, I mean, it also plays well with fetches, though, right? You can absolutely. leave a fetch up so you can like mm-hmm. protect your guy or whatever. Yeah. So if you don't have a reason to crack the fetch, usually best not to, because you yeah. have reasons to wait. And then Become Immense, the card that got Gitaxian Pro banned? Uh, <laughs> Probe was probably banned for some other reasons, but yeah. Uh, I was wrong, but uh, advocating for them to ban Become Immense back during that time. Um, I was thinking that was the problem with the Death Shadow deck back before it became Grixis Death Shadow. I was thinking Become Immense was just too good. You just do that and battle rage it, and you win. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, yeah, so Become Immense is a, uh, a six drop. It's a uh, five and a green. Uh, it gives your creature plus six, plus six. Uh, it also has Delve, which means you can just remove five of those cards out of your graveyard to not pay mana for them. So it's basically, green. in the late game, one green, plus six, plus six. Instant, right? Instant. Yes. I have never got the casting cost in the plus whatever, plus whatever on Become Immense right ever. It feels like it should be a seven drop. It feels yeah. like you need to deal six cards to get. It feels like it should, yeah. Like I always and I've I've like been like, oh, I'm now dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> I did bad math. Similarly, in Legacy Infect, Invigorate gains them three life, not four. Everybody thinks it's four because yeah, I thought you're it was pumping. four. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. One of those weird things that just seems like it, it should be. Is that like work. the Gristlebrand thing? Yeah. Where yeah. Seven seven. You pay seven life, draw seven cards, but it costs yeah. eight. Yeah. But it's an eight drop because yeah. reasons. Well, they they've said that. That was a mistake. Yeah. They if they had to do it again, they'd probably make them cost seven. Okay. Because like that was a complaint, just like the lack of symmetry. Yeah. Yeah. Gristlebrand's not good enough. You got to make them cheaper. Or I don't know, make <laughs> maybe when eight eight and you pay eight life to get seven cards, or which I guess breaks the symmetry there because now yeah. you're getting paying eight life for eight seven cards. Anyway. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever, yeah. So the comments will blow you out. If you're activating Gristlebrand, you're basically just winning the game, so it might as well just be draw your deck. Yeah. Just pay, if you're if you're doing it right, if you're doing it right, this is what you should be doing. 
so those are kind of the the kind of the key pieces like your your infect people uh, people cards mm-hmm. your noble and then your kind of your key pump spells yeah and then there are some other other cards that kind of come in and out based mm-hmm. on what the meta game is and like exactly. how you want to play the deck mm-hmm. yeah so like so what are some of those cards that kind of come in and out depending on what things are going hang on, on hang on before oh, before okay. you go into these specific cards um, just about every deck has a space like this, yes. and we call them flex slots, mm-hmm. where like you can look at four different infect lists, and the bulk of the lists are going to be the same, except for these couple flex slots. Mm-hmm. And this goes the same like for every deck. Back when I played Jund a ton, there were like three flex slots, so you'd have a stock Jund list that you know everybody on the planet would play, and then there'd be like three or four cards different between all the lists. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what we're talking about now is flex slots. Yeah, yeah. So like in Jun, you could have played yeah. like your uh, Olivia or you play right. your Huntmaster or your Kalita. So yeah. yeah. Um, so in Infect, basically, um, as the metagame kind of shifts around, obviously different things are good. Um, so you're going to sweep the numbers on these. But typically you're going to have um, a couple spells that um, make your cre- creatures hard to block. Um, something like a slip-through space, which just says the creature's unblockable and you get to draw a card. Or Distortion Strike, which gives plus one, plus O oh, and unblockable, and has rebound, so it comes back for free the next turn. Or something more simple and straightforward, like Rancor, which is just plus two, plus zero, and gives it trample. And Rancor comes back when, when it, it has. It sure does. Yep. So you don't lose the Rancor off of it if uh, the creature dies. Um, they still play Apostle's Blessing? Was it Infect on Apostle's Blessing for a while? Yeah. Um, Tom Ross, the patron saint of Infect, has been kind of... Uh, down on it, so a lot of the lists have been trimming it, okay. but um, I, I'm still pretty high on it. Like it, it, it's one mana and a Phyrexian White for a spell that gives your creature protection from uh, any color or artifacts. Um, so it works both to protect your creatures from removal spells and also can kind of force them through as blockers. Mm-hmm. So if your if your opponent leaves you know three green creature, creatures back, you still just give it pro green and attack through. Just make sure you do that before you try to pump it. Yeah, that'd be awkward. Or after, I guess, after you pump it, right? Well, you don't want to give it pro green and I then try to pump it. I said that exactly backwards. Yeah. yeah. So you want to, so you want to, you want to pump your guy. Yeah. Then give it pro green. Yeah. So because you give it pro green first, then you can't target it. Yes. Then you're sad and feel super dumb. Yeah. yeah. Then, then you're you get a dead. Call on you oh wait, you're not dead. Yeah. You get a warning and it's yeah. it's all. You feel shame. Yeah. You're embarrassed the whole time. You are. Um, so you can just tweak the numbers on that kind of stuff. Um, usually, like, the protection spells change a little bit. Sometimes you want to play some spell skites or spell pierces. or you know, It just changes around a little bit. So we can go kind of big picture here on sideboarding. Like, what are the kinds of things you have to be worried about as an infect player? What do you have to kind of, like, like I need to have answers to these cards or these types of cards? So, I mean, we are talking about modern. So uh, every deck in the format should be looking at uh, its artifact sideboard plan and its graveyard sideboard plan. So that's you know, okay. w- where you want to start um, with Infects. So you're going to play some Nature's Claims, um, you know, usually a Viridian Corruptor or Dissenter's Deliverance. Um, the card Chalice of the Void is a big problem for this deck because you're trying to run so many one-mana spells. If they stick a Chalice on one, you're going to have some issues beating that. So you usually want some of your artifact hate to be not CMC1. Mm-hmm. Um, Center's Deliverance has the added benefit of cycling, so if it's useless, you can just get rid of it and draw a better card. Or, you know, Verdant Corruptor is a creature. So, 
So gives you an extra body. Verdant Corruptor is is a deep cut that is one green green for mm-hmm. a two two with infect. Yep. And when it comes into play, you get to destroy an artifact. Yep. There you go. Destroy target artifact. And it also serves as just another another mm-hmm. infector. So mm-hmm. if you you're in a matchup where your guys are gonna die. You just yeah. have another guy to bring in. If you're playing against like Jeskai or Jund or something, that brings in a lot of, or just naturally has a lot of removal. You want to have as many creatures as you can because you're not going to be able to protect them all. Right. So we have our artifact stuff and then the standard graveyard yeah, things. Yeah. Relics, cages. Um, Nothing too crazy. D- Tom Ross being crazy, putting in some ravenous traps. I guess. Yeah, that's deep. Yeah. Um, but usually relics and cages. Um, you want to go more on the cages than relics, just because relic is going to blow up your graveyard too, um, which doesn't play nice with the counterbalance. Mm-hmm. And then for burn, you have down here, you bring in kitchen finks. It's just like a sticky threat that gains life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it blocks their guys at a profit. It gains life when it comes in. When it um, persists, uh, it comes back in and gains you two more life again. So basically it's going to gain four life over the course of it being out there. And also, it's just a sticky threat. So it's also good against control the removal decks, mm-hmm. yeah. And then Pulse and Marasa gains six life and gets something back? Uh, yeah, Pulse is kind of cute. Kind of cute? It's, uh, yeah, it, it gets something out of your graveyard back into your hand and gains you six life. So it's more there for, you know, again, the attrition decks, where you just mm-hmm. want to buy back one of, the, one of your things. But it would also come in against Burn if it was in your sideboard, because you gain six life. It's two lightning bolts. It's stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, it, Nice. Anti-control things. These are, again, just like sticky, hard-to-deal-with threats. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, Invisible Stalker has Hexproof. Hexproof and Unblockable, but not Infect. Yes. Yeah. Geist of St. Traft. If, you, if you're playing a little bit of white, to mm-hmm. be able to cast him is Hexproof. It's and Hexproof, and he comes with a 4-4 flying friend when you're attacking. So that's kind of the, the, the gist of, of kind of what's in the deck, main board and sideboard. Cameron has a suggested list here that I will like try to stick in the show notes or like stick a link to like a, a Word doc, uh, a, a Google Doc that has it. And then was he what? What are the matchups like? So if we're gonna if we're gonna play this deck, like when you sit down against something, what do you go like? Oh man, I'm boned. Or like, oh sweet, this is a buy. <laughs> so your matchups basically mean uh, don't pick this deck up right now. Um, you probably want to wait until the metagame gets a little bit more favorable because um, your bad matchups are the Phoenix decks. Uh, which are everywhere right now. Yeah. Um, the what I'm calling removal piles, which are basically just you know your Jeskai controls, your your blue eye controls aren't quite as bad, but it's not not great. Um, yeah, Grix's Death Shadows res- on a resurgence, and they've got a bunch of removal and a clock to back it up. So it's all of those are on the uptick, and those are all just bad bad news. Just because you only have a limited number of threats. Exactly, yeah. limited number of threats, limited amount or limited number of ways to protect them. Yeah, um, the deck doesn't refill easily either. Right? Exactly. Like once you've once you've kind of gone off, mm-hmm. like if they stop you from going off, they, you're kind of spent. Yeah, yeah. You gotta take a couple turns to try to draw back up and yeah. you know re- reload on stuff. And specifically with Death Shadow, you don't have time to do that. Right. Prison decks you said are bad matchups. Just anything with Chalice is yeah. bad. Chalices in general are bad. Um, the red prison decks. I mean, Blood Moon's kind of a beating. Because you play one or two forests and everything else is a non-basic, and yeah, it's just it's just not great. Um, I'm calling eight rack a prison deck, and that's just you know Thoughtseize dot deck. Yeah, just, just anything yeah. that can take your yeah. They're going to tear your hand apart. They usually have a dismember or a fatal push or something for the one creature you're able to get onto the field. Well, they also play a bunch of uh, edict effects too, and you can't protect also against that, those. Yep. 
and yeah. their their racks close the game out pretty quickly. Yeah. What are your good matchups? So now that we've done crying about all the things we can't <laughs> beat, um, good matchups are the you know, other things that are operating on a similar axis of just trying to be super linear and just do their thing. Um, like Casey, I just got banned, but that was a pretty solid matchup for Infect because it didn't really interact with you at all. It was just trying to go off and do its thing. Um, so, like, Storm does that, Boggles does that, um, Ad Nauseum is basically just a buy. Um, I say this, go it, like, losing 2-0 to it at the last time <laughs> I played it, but um, it uh, it just it doesn't go off before turn four, and it doesn't have interaction. So, your normal draw should be able to just take them out. With, without any disruption, mm-hmm. how quickly can Infect win a game? What turn does Infect win on? Turn two. Turn two? It can win it on can. turn two. Like the nuts is turn two, right? Yeah, what is the what kind what is kind of the yeah. average uh, uh like three and a half. Three and a half? Yeah. Like you can pretty consistently do it on three. If you want to have like some protection for it, you you're usually better waiting until turn four. So that means what that means is when there's a bunch of turn four kind of combo decks, mm-hmm. Infect gets really good because mm-hmm. it, it deads them mm-hmm. a turn before they can go off. Yes. Which is why case KCI was kind of turned three and a half, four, exactly. it didn't have a lot of interaction, so you could just get through them and dead them before they did their thing. And once you knew you were playing KCI, you also knew you didn't have to play around anything, so you could just jam for it. jam something on turn usually three. Not Two is very rare, but yeah. You yeah. could just jam into it and not worry about them trying to bolt you or anything, because that wasn't what they were about. Alright, so that's kind of why those linear decks are good matchups. So exactly. you have fish decks... Fish decks, big dumb creature decks. So, uh, yeah, Merfolk, the eponymous fish deck. Uh, yeah, they just they play fish, and they don't interact. They've got like one or two harbinger of the tides that can bounce your guys, and one or two uh, the new guy, the two two that taps it. And, uh, I watched that new guy destroy you. <laughs> uh, You're not wrong, trickster. Yep, trickster, Merfolk, Merfolk trickster. trickster. Uh. Because it yes. removes all text, it turns your one yep. one unblockable flying uh your one one flying infector into a one one that gets eaten by Murphy. Pick a fish. Yeah. Pick a fish. Yep. Yeah. It was like it was like right after Dominaria came out mm-hmm. in like That was in Baltimore. It was Baltimore. Yep. And then you asked and then like the next round you asked my advice and I was like, Yeah, just go for it. And we got <laughs> totally destroyed. Yep. What was it? Oust out of the <laughs> affinity deck? Yeah, like one mana oh, up. I was like, what does, what does Infinity have? <laughs> I blocked that out. Yeah. And <laughs> Cameron's like, should I go for it? I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever. And he shouldn't have gone for it. Like, <laughs> got, like got. I, yeah, I, I didn't, I was unhelpful there. <laughs> <laughs> I blame me. Uh, um, so, fish deck, so anything that's like trying to like play creatures and block. Exactly. Since, since you have ways, you have a flyer, which. Mm-hmm. Flying is a super powerful ability in modern because not a lot of things fly. Mm-hmm. And then you have a two drop that's unblockable, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really powerful ability when you can't yeah. get blocked. <laughs> um, so anything that's just like trying to throw a creature in front of you, you can mm-hmm. just get around that creature. Exactly, yeah. But the flying point is a good point, and that's why uh, Bant Spirits is not in this list. Um, because all of their stuff flies, and they also have relevant interaction. Yeah. yeah, they um, have counter spells, and they usually play yeah. path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got paths, they've got spell quellers, like they've got real things to like kind of slow you up. Yeah. And only you, you're normally playing eight guys that basically just can't be blocked, and that cuts you down to four. Yeah. Um. So it slows your clock down just because you have to find that guy or find one of the unblockable spells. 
and it has to resolve and all yeah, that jazz. Exactly. And so. and then you wanna play against big mana decks? Yes. Yeah. Tron, Scapeshift, Amulet Titan, all that kind of stuff. Um yeah, Tron got a little bit better when they printed Walking Ballista, but it's still, you know, they still gotta do their thing to make Ballista really a threat. Yeah. Like we can deal with a one one ballista. Is when they've got an active Tron and they're just put dumping counters on it every turn that yeah, if the, it, if the game's gotten to, like, turn five or six, the game's gotten away from you in exactly. most matchups anyway. Yeah. We're, we're, on, yeah. The, <laughs> we're on basic level, yes. 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 Basic you, level. you don't want the game to last super long. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you can get there, but it's still, a lot harder. it's a lot harder. Yeah, the deepest I'll go on this is basically, if your opponent isn't pressuring you, there's no reason to risk everything and just, like, go all in on something. Um, if you have time, just, you know, chip in for one or two here and there and just slowly build up the um, poison count. Um, until your opponent is forced to make the first move. If they're, if they're just sitting there with, like, three or four mana, there's no reason to, like, force something to happen when you can just build up their poison count, and then on a turn later, they tap down first and, you know, put the first thing on the stack, which gives you the advantage in the yeah. in the stack exchange. So, what are... So, I saw one here that is kind of like a an oldie-what-a-goodie, like, general rule of thumb, right? Which is, if you're playing against Infect... You want to try to kill the. You want to try to kill the infect creature, on your turn or after combat, and exactly. not never in combat. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's that's something that trips up new players a lot. Um, they get you know from the time they first start playing until you know they start playing modern. So usually a yearish, um, they just get drilled in their head. You know, kill the creatures in combat before they can you know do their thing, protect your life total, all that kind of stuff. That is the worst possible thing to do against Infect. Because most of the protection spells that Infect plays is also going to be able to pump up the creature and make them bigger, hit harder, and end the game faster. So what you want to do is wait until the end step or your turn, so if they have one of those to use, you're not also taking the additional uh, poison count. So like if you want to lightning bolt their creature... Right, that gives them a chance to cast Vines of the Vast Wood, mm-hmm. which will make their creature a 5-5 five, five and give it hexproof mm-hmm. in air quotes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now you've taken four extra poison and not got the and got your spell effectively countered. Yeah. Well, I mean you're basically forcing their hand. Like you just Cameron just said that a lot of times you'll wait until somebody makes the first move where, you know, you're just mm-hmm. coming in for one poison. I just want want to get one poison on you this turn. Well, then you go and kill their guy, and you force them to, you know, kick a vines or something, and mm-hmm. now you're half dead. Exactly. All right, and if you don't have, like, and you could have just waited till the end step mm-hmm. and been, like, you know, tried to bolt their creature, they still have to use one of their pump spells or one of their yeah. protection spells. Now you can untap and do it again. Yes. Play your next removal spell, and now... They have to have another answer in the mana, yeah. mm-hmm. and you're still only taking one. Yeah. But if you do it in combat, it often goes poorly. So don't do it in combat, and probably also don't do it before combat. Yeah. Right? Also not great. Yeah. So like sometimes but, people want to do stuff in upkeep yeah. that mm-hmm. still kind of plays into, well, mm-hmm. my creature's now bigger and a better attacker. Yeah. So it's kind of after combat and on your turn where the plus whatever, plus whatever doesn't kill you mm. yeah. and like you know we, we kind of get into talking about you know using your life total as a resource you know against infect it's a similar kind of thing if you're not at 10 poison you're basically at no poison 
Like, it, it does not matter if you win the game at nine poison, you haven't lost. So, yeah. I mean, take the extra, take the one or two in combat and then kill it when you're safe. Yeah. Because the difference between one and, like, four is basically nothing because they can just deal you nine or six, in fact, yeah. all in one shot anyway. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm going to go from three to four. That's not going to make it so they can, like... If they if they could deal you six, they were probably able to deal you seven. So mm-hmm. just take the extra one, yeah. and it's not going to matter. Yeah. But very rarely does a game end with the opponent at exactly ten. Right. Usually they're at like twelve or thirteen or something something like that because it's been chip damage and then the one big jump. So I think that's all the is that all the kind of the basic stuff. Is there anything else we need to talk about? The one infect expert little sequencing thing I wanted to hit. Um, just stolen from uh, Tom Ross's Pro Tour guide from when the Pantheon was playing it and went to him for some advice, um, is if you're looking at an opening hand and you've got multiple uh, creatures, like say um, you've got a Glistener Elf and a Noble, uh, which one do you play first? Uh, typically, if you're on the draw, you want to play the Noble, and if you're on the play, you want to play the Elf. Um, that gets kind of thrown out the window if you have multiples of each and then just play the one you have an extra. They have two nobles and uh, a glistener elf. You just play the noble. Yeah, that way if it dies, you don't really care. You just play that again. Yes. But uh, that, that's a tricky thing that's not super, super intuitive. Uh, yeah, outside of that, it's basically a deck where, you know, most most of this is interactive. So you can learn it a little bit by goldfishing it, but really what you want to do is, if you're interested in playing it, is you know, proxy it up and just start jamming some games. And just see see how it feels, see how it plays, and just you know get a feel for the lines. Yeah, you you may not want to play against your friend who has burn because then you're just gonna feel like the deck is awful. Yeah. Yes, you're yes. like, wow, this is terrible. How does anyone with this? Like, well, you're playing the like maybe the Stone Wars matchup, but yeah. it's all my friend has. Have your friend proxy something up. Yeah. Make him proxy Tron so you feel like a god as <laughs> you win on turn two <laughs> or three every game. Like, oh, ex- exploration map? Oh, I'm sorry. You're exploration dead. map? You're dead. We're good here. So, yeah. Uh, we're going to, one day, we're going to buy Cameron a cool hat, Aaron Barrett style, so he can, like, win, so he can, like, win a tournament and wear a hat. See, I, I'm not that good at magic is the problem. So I, I and think then you can let me borrow I, it and I'll win a Mythic Championship? I, I would need a hat and the black leather jacket. Okay. Uh, I think oh, is, yeah. Oh, uh, from both expert infectors. Exactly. Yeah. We can, we can Tom just, Ross's jacket and Aaron's hat. Yeah. Do they have to? Does it have to be literally Tom Ross's jacket? Do I have to try to beat up Tom Ross? Like I don't know if I could. <laughs> I, I think that's how it works. Shit. Like, I don't is know. this like but, a Highlander situation? But you just need articles of clothing to get to get no, their power. Only be one. <laughs> Cameron shows up at an SCG event in a leather jacket <laughs> and like a scuzzy felt hat, <laughs> just like. Oh man, he's serious. <laughs> See, the, the bad thing though is like if we took Tom's jacket, he'd probably just get fired because he stopped being good at magic and Wizards wouldn't, wouldn't want him anymore. So well, maybe, maybe, maybe we don't do that. He doesn't that. work for Wizards anymore. He's done. Oh, right. He's back on yeah. the grind. Right, because he like, uh, he was, he, like yeah. sent out a tweet and it was like, yeah. was like, hey, should I like try to like win Pro Tours or just go back to like smashing you fools on the SCG? <laughs> and I don't know what the like verdict was. He was grinding the SCG for a little while. He was, and, and then, then he played got, at the Pro Tour. God, he did. He was there, it bad? There was a vod of him in round one in his draft. Oh, we're getting way off topic, but whatever. Oh gosh. Um, round one in the draft, his opponent uh, captive audience him. Oh yeah, I saw this. And like, 
That's usually pretty bad news. Yeah. Um, but he's holding uh, final payment. Which, oh, yeah, God. which lets you pay five life or sack an enchantment that's under your control to kill a thing. And he just, like, didn't see the line of sack the captive audience my opponent just played, because it's technically under his control yeah. to waste the seven mana his opponent spent playing that thing and also kill one of his opponent's creatures. Instead, he and just died to it. Ended up dying to it, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah, it was, uh... Oh, no. I, I hadn't seen this. I just knew yeah. that he, like... He opened uh, Ethereal Absolution and was like, well, we're doing this. Everything else be damned. Yeah. Reasonable. Reasonable. Card's good. But, uh... Yeah. Plenty of uh, VODs of him being amazing out there, and that was just, you know... That was not, not, not his day. Not his day at all. I think that's all for, um... Infect. Yeah. So, I guess now we're going to talk about that that arena grind. The arena grind. Uh, again, none, none of us are playing, uh... Are are playing for uh seventy five hundred dollars for just showing up, yeah. Uh, so we you did, did hit mythic though, so congrats. I did hit mythic. Is this this week? I guess so. So this week's data is like super screwy as I'm clicking through, uh, because on Thursday is when they it was the end of preseason two yeah. when they reset everything. So like I have like fifteen matches at mythic and then it like fell. Then I fell all the way back down to, to platinum on the reset. Yeah. Uh, let's see if I can find the right file here. It'll just be easier to look at the, the graph. So what we did find, uh, at least for uh, best of one last last time, is in, like, uh, platinum where I uh, was. Sorry, we're, 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 we're good at this. Doing it live. Doing it live. Where's there no data here? Uh, there you go. So for for the platinum meta game, so on my way up, uh, I guess it was it was like mono red, mono white, and Esper are like a smooth fifty percent of the meta game in in platinum last week. You only had fifty games because again, like it was partially yeah, on. It was only half a week. It was only like half a week. You had fifty games. Uh, what I have noticed is. The other kind of big chunk of the the meta game is just hot random garbage. Yeah, I noticed that for this week also. I played a bunch on Friday and Saturday, and uh, a very large portion of my games were just against random piles. So like I've I've played against Jeskai Control a few times. I've played against uh, Saltai Reclamation repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, where you're like. Where like their turn four is either like wilderness reclamation or ritual offset, which is a card that is still in the format that people don't play. Yeah, just like oh, oh mono, <laughs> mono oh mono red stuff dies. So yeah, there's like this big chunk that is is kind of like off meta randomness, and it's twenty six percent. So like three quarters of the meta game is split between mono red, mono white, esper, and then off meta things. Yeah. And now, I think we have 15 or 16 decks that are the meta decks yeah. that are like Gruel Aggro, Black White Angels, because it won like an RPTQ with Zach Elsick. And like, it's a bunch of stuff. And it basically. Take some deep cuts to yeah. the game representation. And we're still yeah. looking at the field. And we're still looking at It's just this random like stuff no one's playing like in paper. Right. Or. 
And, like, I try to, each week as I start to see, like, new decks come in, I'll, like, cycle out decks that aren't, yeah. like, getting, that aren't popping up. But, yeah, so you so the other, like, 25% is split between one, two, three, four, five, six, seven decks. Now, granted, this was only 50 games that we were able to get in at Platinum, but still, I think it's reasonable enough to say that, you know, it was still the big three were Mono White, Mono Red, and Esper. And then gold, we had some more games. Uh, and again, mono red was off the off meta decks, kind of the random yeah, thing. Still twenty something. Percent. It's still twenty something percent of the yeah. meta. And then mono red, mono white, Esper, and there's a little bit more mono blue, but those were still like. Saltai. Yeah. Oh, Saltai yeah. is actually a deck here. Saltai is not played like in platinum that I've seen, like platinum and. At all. So I think that there's like this weird thing where once you hit Mythic, mm -hmm. the metagame got really like I only played 15 games or whatever, but it was like just random collection of things. It was mm -hmm. stuff I like, had not seen because I think it's people. Uh, it, it's the legend principle. Yeah, like they, first yeah. Done, you, you grind up the ladder, get to legend, and then you play meme decks. You, you that, play whatever. You enjoy playing after yeah. you're done grinding. Yeah, that you just like want to play. Fall out of Mythic and Legend. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. That might go a little bit away now that. In this season, there's the incentive to yeah. stay in the top 1,000. Yeah. Because the top 1,000 get to play in, like, a giant... An MCQ. MCQ. There might be more people that are kind of fighting to stay to stay there. Uh, that being said, though, is it is it something where you need to, like, maintain your rank? Or do you just need to, like, make a push in the last, like, three or four days to, like... I think you have to finish in the top 1,000. You have to finish in the top 1,000. Yeah. So you can, like, so... If you like hit number one and mm -hmm. then don't play for like a week, yeah. you might be eight hundred, yeah. right? Like it decays pretty rapidly. Eight hundred mm -hmm. might be generous. You might be like might be out of the top thousand. Um, but there were was it Andrew Jessup tweeted out that he hadn't played arena for the entire all of season two, mm -hmm. and he decided he would yep. start playing on Sunday. And like Wednesday into Thursday, he played for twenty five straight hours mm -hmm. and hit tenth. Wow! And yeah. so, like, you can just like say, "I'm gonna do something else," and then work your way. That's all crazy. Ahead. I wonder what. I wonder how their uh, ranking system works. If that's even possible. So, so they they did say I forget the name of it. There's it's it's a the, there's a formula that like. The more games you play, it discounts your earlier games. So it kind of looks at a snapshot of what yeah. you're doing now. It's yeah. trends rather than yeah. It's not it's not Elo per se, but it's something I forget the name of it because I looked it up. But there is an actual like mathematical formula that you mm -hmm. throw in your game results, and it like spits something out. And they're like it. Uh, so so yeah, you can just run up and and get there. And like I think the better you do on the grind. The higher it sticks you in Mythic, okay. Yeah, I think I think it like places you in Mythic from how you did like in Diamond getting there. Yeah, but then once you're in there, I think it only really looks at your Mythic. Numbers. Yeah, because I started out I think ninety six, and I'm then down. I got uh like up to nine hundred and eighty four. Oh, sorry, ninety six percent. 96 percentile. Not number 96. No, 96 percentile. Okay. 96 percentile. And so then I had to grind from there up to, like, they only give you a number for the top 1,200. Okay. Which 
kind of feels weird well, that well, they're looking at taking the top yeah. thousand when they numbered a top twelve hundred. Like just well, they take want it you to know the number. Close, though. Yeah, I guess. Well, what was your percentage before you got to the top twelve hundred, or is that like the one? It goes. Percent? It goes like ninety. Goes like from ninety six, then it jumps up, and then you just go ninety six to ninety nine, mm-hmm. and then you start getting numbers. I thought it was going oh, the other way. Okay. Yeah. No. So I started out yeah. at the like top, towards the top okay. of the, of the, um, of the mythic ranking. But yeah. So like I got like ninety six to ninety eight. Then like, I started at like ninety eight one day, and then ended up getting numbered, and then I stopped and I went back to ninety nine. Then on the last night I got to like nine whatever nine eighty four, and I was like, yeah, I'm good here, mm-hmm. and I. And when you go back on, it doesn't show you. So when they like give you your like your packs, mm-hmm. <laughs> when you get your five packs and thousand gold, uh, uh, doesn't show you where it ended. Yeah, it just says like I was mythic tier one, but it didn't. It doesn't tell you like you like what you were. I think my maybe I was in the ninety in like the percentile again, mm-hmm. but I assume I was yeah. since there were people that were playing for twenty five straight hours, running themselves up well past me. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, insane. Yeah, which is another thing. Like you know, the, the Twitter salt, notwithstanding, but like that—that that was not a super healthy yeah. way to like determine those people. Like maybe uh, I think the the MCQ system is going to be a little bit better going forward. Like be in the top thousand people, and then we're going to do a tournament where you don't have to just sit there and grind and grind and grind and grind until the timer hits zero and then just cross your Yeah, apparently yeah. there were people that were complaining that, like, their opponents, like, slow-rolled them in, like, yeah, their I last game. Yeah, tweets. Yeah. Because they were, like, they, you know, they wanted to make sure, like, kind of protect their ranks. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I'm, I'm eight, you're nine. Mm-hmm. We're not going to finish this game before it resets. Yeah. It's super tinfoily. Like, yeah. I well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know about super tinfoily, but, like, that's... Yeah, I'd do that for seventy five hundred bucks. Sure. Like, how do they know that person was in the top eight? It put it actually puts your yeah. number. So when oh, you it does. Okay. so yeah, when you are playing in mythic, mm-hmm. it has a mythic uh, symbol and then it puts your percentage. Okay. Or I it puts your draw my or complaint. it puts your yeah. actual number on the screen as you're playing. Gotcha. So right. instead of like so, just being like so so like an eternal one Hearthstone. I guess I haven't. I've I think I've, I've, I've you, you had masters in eternal. Yeah, I did, yeah. but I. I didn't bother to then, like, try to run myself yeah. up to, like, a real number. I was like, oh, I can do this, so I'm good now. <laughs> but when you played a game, it had, like, the number. Yeah. 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 I got smushed by Ben Stark. I know that. <laughs> uh, I don't know going forward, like, if people are going to, like, kind of play goofy decks. Like, it might just be that Mythic ends up just being kind of that reflection of here are the best decks to kind of grind with because you're going to mm-hmm. have to kind of always grind yeah I, I think it'll be like nonsense until the last week and then it'll be like a real meta game when people are taking it seriously yeah well, let's try and get there early and find out yeah, yeah well right. i'm i'm plat i'm halfway through plat three right now i hit gold one before i came over here so i was bronze one last night because i didn't play like at all last month <laughs> um, and i'm in gold two now so oh man yeah oh, wow moderate yeah Monterey. That's what it's. Someone tweeted like my exact deck list, or almost the same thing. Was like, I have a seventy-one percent win rate. It's like I had one of those for like a week. <laughs> it was great. Now I'm like fifty-three percent. Like yeah. I just keep playing against like moment of craving. Yeah. I'm just like, oh my god, why are there so many moment of cravings? I believe I have a fifty-two percent win rate. Yeah. 
And mine's, uh, mine's like 52 or 53. It takes a while when you're at 52% to, yeah. to go up to the next one. Like, that's that was one of the reasons I wanted to get to Mythic, is because yeah. once you hit, you fall back down to Platinum, and then you have you skip the whole gold grind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said last time, 55% means you, you're kind of like, there's a 10% difference. So it means basically every 10 matches you play, you go up one game. You're like one game to the positive. Yeah. So like to grind through gold again, it's like 240 games. Yeah. Now granted, if there's this, you know, you have a skill difference and then you do, you can do well. Uh, or you or run hot. That's good against the meta game. Yeah. Or you run hot like the sun, uh, like I did. Woo, so hot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the meta game was a little different the further up we got, but I think it was all in all pretty representative of what you would expect. Yep. Again, maybe we're going to have be more all over the place when we're not. Because, like, you were playing gold after it went down, right? After, it was, yeah. Yeah, so, like, the gold money game's kind of all over the place, and it might yeah. just be because uh, now well, no, people it are... it was kind of all over the place before it reset. Yeah, it might just be people are like, oh, I, I have three weeks to try to, yeah, maybe. to get back. With that, we've gone along. Yeah, we did go along. We're, we're like an hour and a half. We had, we had, we had Cameron. So I thank Cameron. He has his red M and M's for uh, thanks for having me for for all his uh, in, insight into Infect. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, uh, you can tweet at me at uh, Casual Tripod, and that's where you're gonna find all the all the metagame breakdowns and all the the sheets. Yep. And again, the more the more people fill in the sheet, the the better these get, and the more you get to know what you can expect to play against and what your deck should look like. Yep. It helps a lot, the, the more information you get. Yeah. And I think, like, I think we're the only ones that are doing something like as this far as that I know, I've seen. I know there, seen it anywhere. there are, like, some other standalone programs that you can, like, track your own stuff. Yeah. But there's not someone who's then aggregating that and, like, putting it out. So this, yeah. trying to make this yeah. our little corner. So help us out. Yeah. yeah. Help yourself out. The problem is everybody that is, quote, unquote, good is just, like, already at Mythic. So they they don't care about like the grind up, yeah. Whereas, you know, but there's you know, a but we have jobs. So, yeah, you know, exactly. True. We 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 have to play after work. We can't yeah. play for twenty four and a half hours <laughs> straight. Yeah, <laughs> twenty five hours straight. Jesus. It's eight a.m. I'm not going to get up until nine a.m. tomorrow. Like this yeah, seems crazy. like un seems undoable. I mean, not healthy. Jessup is also very very good. That was the only reason that yeah. was remotely feasible, but still, that is just insane. Yeah, yeah that's hit, a lot of magic. That is a lot of magic, and because I mean, I'd say with mono red, you can get ten to twelve games in an hour on average. Yeah, like so about th- yeah, about three. No, th- so I do about around thirty games in three hours. So that's like you know, if he was playing mono red, let's say, like that's like two hundred and fifty. Games, three hundred games, like that's that's a lot. Like, yeah. I think after a while, I just start like clicking mindlessly sometimes. Yeah, just like start throwing away win percentage. <laughs> so anyway, well, thank you, Cameron. Yep, thanks. Uh, so again, casual tripod on Twitter. Uh, casual tryhard MTG on Facebook, and casual tryhard MTG at Gmail. You want to mm-hmm. email us? And with that, we'll see you later. Yep, catch you up enough.